Hey there, horror movie tea sippers. The following podcast episode will contain spoilers for the movie we are about to review. If you have not seen the movie and do not wish to have anything ruined prematurely, please do not continue to watch or listen until you have seen the movie. And welcome to the Horror Movie Tea Podcast. For our very last Asian Horror Month movie, we are doing a Japanese horror movie, but an anime horror movie. We couldn't resist. I had talked to Jess about it. And she's like, it's a full-on movie? I'm like, yes, there's not very many, but it's a full-on movie. Usually it's a series, so, and especially in the horror genre for anime, it's typically a series or an OVA. So to find a movie, like a feature-length movie, it's rare, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. And it also sounded the most suspenseful or interesting or scary of the options that you provided. So yeah. I was like, let's do it. And this is an, an older movie. I saw that there were a few similar renditions to it, but um, this is the, it's based off of a novel, but this movie was released in 1997. And before we go into tea and the summary, we do want to provide a trigger warning. Please keep in mind that we will be mentioning stalkers as mm. well as scenes where there's rape. Yeah, they don't shy away from that either. Yeah, it's a movie that's not afraid to give you discomfort. Yeah. But before we go off into that, tea. <laughs> so I copied you. <laughs> We're both drinking Blue Lady from Zest Tea. We thought it was perfect because perfect blue. Ha ha ha. Yes. So. Also caffeine. It is early. <laughs> yes. Even though we had kind of a late start. Shush you. <laughs> perfect blue. I'm very glad that this summary is a lot more, is going to be a lot more concise yes. than the last movie. So perfect blue is about a pop idol named Mima who is wanting to change her career to become an actress. And so the beginning of the film just starts off with her, you know, announcing that she's going to become an actress. And then the movie is following her as an actress. But this weird stuff starts happening. She obviously has at least one stalker. And there's a point in the movie where she's filming a rape scene and the writer that made that scene ends up getting killed. And then there's like a photographer that ends up taking like nude photos of her. He ends up getting killed. So every each person that's quote unquote like tainting her reputation are, is getting killed. It messes with your head. But then there's also like actual murder that's in the movie to like add on top of it. So for entertainment, oh man, this is a movie that I saw when I was a teenager and I was like deep into anime and I like lived and breathed anime. Yes. <laughs> but uh, a friend had shown this movie to me and even being an anime fan at the time, it still like really changed my perception of how animation can show such a mature topic and still be chilling despite it being animation. 
it's interesting because it has a realistic style, but it's stylized enough. Like the stalker guy, they make him look really unsettling. Stalker murder face. Yes. And it just, yeah, it's a very beautiful movie in a weird way. But anyway, so this isn't the first time I've watched the movie. I watched it multiple times. It is one of my, if I feel like watching an anime, but I want it to be like creepy or I want to watch just in general, not even anime included. If I want to watch like a psychological movie, this is definitely one of my top picks. So I'm giving this an eight. I think the the animation style definitely complements the story. The style and the shots of the scenes is very deliberate, and I think it very much helps the movie in a lot of ways. It makes it artistic, but also ramps up the psyche of what the character is going through. With the main character, Mima, needing to be helped with how to work a computer, it does kind of date the movie a little bit. It has a floppy disk drive. Yeah, and they still use landlines. Some people still use landlines. The internet was just becoming a thing. She had to be shown how to use the internet. Yeah, we're like, oh my god, you feel old. (laughs) Because we remember when... (laughs) Oh, yes. We remember. Uh, It's been a minute. Yeah, but (laughs) another thing that makes this film so great, though, is I love... Love, love the parallels between what she's filming and what's actually happening in her life. Like, it kind of messes with your brain a little bit more. But at the same time, it also, once you've seen the whole movie and you know the twist, it kind of helps put the pieces together a little bit better. Freaking brilliant. And I do like how the movie kind of tricks you. Because at first you think it's the stalker guy. And yes, while it technically was him, there's a point where they almost trick you that maybe it's Mima. But then they find out, oh, no, it was her manager. But so it's like her manager was emailing the stalker guy and they were both. She was manipulating him. Yeah. Awesome twist. And so I loved watching Jess because you're like, oh, like, it's the soccer guy. He's obviously the murderer. And I really want to be like, not quite. <laughs> I knew it was definitely a big part of it. But yeah. I was wondering where the emails were coming from. Yeah, it's pretty so. cool. <laughs> but another thing that I like about the movie is the fact that it doesn't shy away from making you feel uncomfortable. That includes the murders. Like, you get to watch some of the people die, and I still cringe, even though I've watched the movie several times. Specifically, the rape scene that she films. That one was hard. Because uh, part of the parallels, there, she actually, so she films a rape scene, but then later on, the stalker actually attempts to rape her. But, yeah, whenever she's filming it, yeah, that, they make it really realistic it's really uncomfortable the only way i can get through that scene is because the director says cut several times through the scene and so it kind of brings you back to reality on oh she's filming this but and it, yeah. the the actor that's in the scene the the one that's portraying the rapist actually apologizes to her <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's a great film on, like, self-reflection. Mm-hmm. 
It's great mystery film suspense. But yeah, overall, if you guys haven't heard of this movie or you have and you just haven't watched it, definitely watch this movie. Like it is, it's great. But anyways, <laughs> I know I've been on my soapbox long enough. A little bit. You went on a tirade there. I did. All right, so this was my first time watching this, so I don't have the nostalgia glasses on or anything like that. I was able to look at it with fresh eyes, and I actually really enjoyed this movie. Uh, there was a lot of different stylistic choices that I think really brought it together. It was a little jumbled, but that helped show just how fractured her mind was and trying to reorient herself she left her comfort zone of pop idol to try to do something new something she was unfamiliar with and uncomfortable with but something that she felt was a good move for her in the long run and that was to be an actress so playing these different roles she she almost went a bit too method in her method acting <laughs> and she just started wondering who she was she kept asking a lot throughout the movie who are you and it seemed more to herself than anyone else around her so it was a very good choice it was very interesting i do like a lot of the parallels there they really bring it together especially at the end scene for the one the i think it was a tv series that they were filming and it that last scene really brought it home and it really tied it together and that was really nice i i do think that <laughs> her learning how to use the internet just makes me feel so old <laughs> but her seeing that like chat room and everything the blog was very interesting and it makes sense that it's her manager because even with a stalker, he can't get close enough to her for some of the, the photos or the sound files that were on there. Yeah. So it really makes you think if, you, if you're really looking at it pretty hard, you can pick up the clues to figure out who it actually is. But they did a really nice job of bait and switch a few different times. Mm -hmm. So that was that was really cool, especially you start to really figure it out. If you hadn't gotten it by that point, it really drives it home who it actually is when the manager says in the car after she was almost raped by the the guy, stalker murder face, um, <laughs> as perpetually what I'm going to call him. <laughs> Mima asked, where are we going and Rumi said, Crazy Pants, said, <laughs> I'm taking you to Mima's room, which was what the blog was called. She didn't pick up on that. She thought she was going home, but the manager took her to her home instead. Yeah. And you find out that yes. she replicated Mima's room. Like, exactly. exactly. Like, it had her own, yes. her old, like, pop idol pictures and... Yes. Her stuffed animals, the the aquarium with the neon tetras. I did not appreciate when it got broken. Those fish did not deserve that. Just saying. Also, when a lot of her neon tetra died, I have very high suspicions that it was Rumi that did something to the tank that <laughs> killed her fish which is extremely unfortunate and rude. Rude. 
The aquarium system is a very delicate balance and it can take a while to get it to that level. And like we were still after the move, it took about a month or so for everything to be completely leveled. For Rumi to most likely have messed with that tank in order to kill her fish, I take offense to that personally. <laughs> it's just rude. Also, living creatures. I wasn't as upset about like the screenwriter or the photographer, pervied photographer, but or Starker Murderface, but the fish. The fish. That's messed up. <laughs> but I do give it a 7.5. It was a very good movie. Very interesting choices. They do keep you on your toes and guessing and figuring out if it's her, like actually Mima, that's just having a psychotic break, or if it's Stalker Murderface, or if it's someone else. So, kudos to them for that. Yeah. And they really don't shy away from that rape scene that they were filming. That was uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. That was harder to watch than the murders. I can do yeah. gore. We do gore all the time. This is nothing new. But the the filming of the rape scene, I'm glad they had the cut scenes in there. Yeah. That was messed up. <laughs> yep. Very rough. Yes. Wrapping up, I do find it interesting mm -hmm. how your interpretation of like Nima asking like who are you? Like to me, I was picturing it as like her trying to figure out whether she made the right decision, whether or not she wants to go back to being a pop idol and kind of redefining herself. Mm -hmm. It is one of those movies that's deep enough that you can get multiple meanings from it. For anyone who's a horror fan and is also an anime fan, you probably know that it is difficult to find an anime that's actually scary. Yes. And this There's one... There's a handful <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you can probably count on your hand like oh, yes. how many there are that are actually good. And usually they're only scary the first time. Yeah. After multiple watchings. It's it's still interesting and it's still really enjoyable, but it's not doesn't quite have that same feel. Yeah. And I know a lot of that can be said about regular live action movies too. That once you see it yeah. once, it's not as scary, but there are some. Yeah, but it's like with Perfect Blue, since you're kind of, at least for me personally, I kind of get lost in Mima's head with her. And so for me, you know, it's not the it's not the same as the first experience, of course. But to me, it's still I can still get sucked in and like mm -hmm. world around her, you know, her the twists and turns and stuff. Well, and it's such an artistic movie that I feel like if I watched it again, there would be other things that I didn't notice before. So it was a really enjoyable movie, guys. Yeah. But with that said, let's go ahead to the realism. Yes. For realism, I'm going to give it a six. And I have to say... I'm already impressed because this movie was more realistic than a lot of live action movies we've watched. Um, as far as like the gore, the realism of the situation. The reason why I only gave it a six is I can see the situation definitely happening. But of course, the likelihood is pretty slim. They didn't go over the top like some live action movies do. Like they kept it pretty... Realistic. It was sensible gore. Yes, yes. It was purposeful mm -hmm. gore. It wasn't gore for the sake of gore. 
Like, there's a time and place for that kind of thing, gore for the sake of gore. This was not one of them, and they didn't venture into that realm, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing I notice is Rumi, whenever she, or, or Rumi or the stalker guy, whenever they, they kill, they take out the person's eyes. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's because they saw Rumi, like, naked or, or in a compromising position or... Rumi? Or sorry, Mima. Mima, <laughs> my bad. Mima. So there's a few different interpretations to the removal of eyes, actually. It could say a few different things. It could say that they've seen something that they shouldn't have, like the killer's identity. They don't want them to have seen them. Or they saw Mima in a compromising position in a way that they weren't supposed to. Or it could be that you don't see the real me. Which I think that's a huge part of it, because when Stalker Murderface gets killed to death, he only had one of his eyes taken out. Mm. His other eye was still there. Yeah. So Rumi probably felt like he saw the real her. Well, her delusional self, anyway. But he didn't get it right. Maybe. Not completely. So she only took out one of his eyes instead of both. Yeah, I was like, I can definitely see that. I can also see the eyes being removed because it's almost like taking Mima's quote unquote like reputation mm -hmm. back. It's like trying to unsee what happened. Or you took a piece of her that you shouldn't have, so I'm going to take a piece of you. Yeah. So very interesting. The The one little nitpick that I have, and you can let me know what you think about it, is it was a TV show. And it was also 1997, so there wasn't the HBO type of shows that we see nowadays where it can show fairly explicit material. So I'm extremely surprised that a rape scene would be allowed on television, even if it was a specialized thing. Like, I can see it being imitated to where it's not showing a lot, but or they were they showing... start to film it and then cut that scene to a different scene. Yeah, but they were showing... Oh, they showed a lot. Yeah, they were showing a lot. They showed a lot of that scene. So, <laughs> to me, that was the only thing that was like, mm, that doesn't quite seem in the realm of possibility. Yeah, at, at the time. Nowadays. Oh, nowadays. Could, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it a lot more. Game of Thrones, we're looking at you. Yeah. Thanks, Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> I feel <Yeah>. old. <laughs> but it is also Japan, so things could be different there. We have but no context. America is already pretty taboo about certain subjects, but Japan is even, like, more taboo. But to be honest, I don't know. From, like, what I know of Japan, I don't think that that would be a thing. But I honestly can't say definitively whether or not that, that would be the case. I don't know. Yeah, I could say for the time frame... I feel like it'd probably be a little less accepted, most likely. But again, not sure. Yep. <laughs> but what would not a native, don't know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you rate it? A little bit of background, guys. If, you, if this is the first one that you've watched, 
and you haven't really been keeping track. I am typically much more harsh on the realism scale than Alyssa is. Like, this is my... You're going to do it higher? This is my thing. And so it's very difficult. But yes, I actually did rate it higher by (laughs) 0.5. (laughs) That's <laughs> 6.5. I, I, really, I was really floundering between 6 and 7 because it is shockingly, like, okay, in most of the movies that we've reviewed, we don't give it more than a 5, typically. It is rare when it gets a 5, yeah. let alone higher. Most horror movies are, they just have way too much against them for realism for us to give it a decent score but this one actually was really realistic there were only a few things and i feel like some of them are kind of nitpicky but there were really only a few things that i could really truly be like um excuse you yeah (laughs) on which i'm usually doing throughout the whole movie (laughs) Well, and then just as a, before you move on, just as a, a little comment, because I've I've heard from some people, it's like, well, why are you doing a realism scale for a horror movie? We know it's going to be unrealistic. But we're, we're trying to demonstrate that... There's a difference. An, an unrealistic movie doesn't necessarily mean a good movie. Yeah. And a realistic movie doesn't always mean a bad movie. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's flip-flop. Sometimes mm-hmm. the more realistic it is... Because they're, like, so focused. It's like you have to have a nice balance of, like, entertainment to, like, cinematography, character development, all of that. But then also have a certain level of realism. Because if you go too far out into the abyss, then that can potentially take your audience out of the movie. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you want to have that perfect balance where it's like you're sucked into the movie, you're focused, you're... You're living with those characters through that scene. And that's what makes the horror movie scary. The realism can impact the entertainment scale. I'm definitely an example of this. If a movie is too unrealistic, I can't really find myself enjoying it. Usually. There's a couple exceptions, but usually those exceptions are when I'm looking for something completely outside the realm of possibility. I just want to escape reality for a little while (laughs) yeah the movie has to have a certain tone i think to get away with that Mm -hmm. yeah it does and you have to go into it knowing that this is definitely not a thing that could happen (laughs) yeah it's almost like uh like example like the conjuring movies they're making the film with the intention that's based in reality so it's like that type of movie you'd want to be more realistic than like oh phantasm Mm -hmm. like that that's just like a crazy movie but supposed to be a crazy movie so it's okay if it's unrealistic i guess (laughs) yeah we uh i guess uh, let's forget about phantasm the movies (laughs) the acid drip that is phantasm yep yeah no (laughs) but it does make sense for certain movies like the conjuring to be more realistic so it's it helps for me personally it helps the entertainment scale, the entertainment value. I tend to want to rewatch it more if I believe that it could happen. Again, we have to set aside assumptions for certain things, like if it's a creature feature, we have to say in our mind, okay, if this did exist, then how realistic would it be? Yeah, it's mainly mainly in those movies like the kills and stuff like yes. that. Like if yes, if or they, how like, they react or yeah, different yeah. scenarios like that. So and. 
I feel like they did a really, really good job with that. Yeah. The voice acting was spot on. Yeah, in a lot of ways, you kind of forget it's an yes. animated movie. A little bit, especially in the really uncomfortable scenes like Murder or the film where there's, they're filming the rape, rather. And it's really, really uncomfortable to the point that you start wondering, is this actually happening? And she's just kind of taking a mental break in her mind where she's pretending to be an actress filming the scene, or is this actually happening? Yeah, and then, like, when she's having, like, the mental breakdown afterwards, yes. like, the, I kind of want to know the the history of the voice actors, because mm -hmm. especially, like, uh, Mima's voice actor, it just, she and the character were, like, this, like, yes. they were so She does an amazing job yeah. making you believe that she is really upset with this whole situation. And plus, I feel I do feel like the reaction, since it was a more mm -hmm. realistic anime movie, I feel like the the reactions were pretty spot on. Oh yeah, like her mental breakdown. Yeah. Oh, like, that was so raw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does. It, the reactions do seem genuine and raw, despite yes. it being animated, which is what. Part of the reason why not only does that make the realism scale for this movie, like, amazing, because mm -hmm. it already has something not going for it, because it's an animated movie, which makes it a little bit harder, but the fact that the reactions seem raw when someone had to actually animate scene by scene, freaking incredible. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, amazing job there. But there are a few things that... <laughs> I can't quite get I'm ready. Past. I'm so ready. I, I can't quite get past. Now, again, this might be partly a cultural thing because things are different here than they are over there. I don't know exactly how it works there, but if a letter were to explode in someone's hand known. and face and an ambulance was called, it would be reported regardless to the police. See, like, me and Jess were speculating about this last night because she was like, it should have been reported. But to me, I'm like, well, if they just said, oh, we had an accident, there's like a, you know, a, an accidental explosion, or I I accidentally hurt myself. Like, they could have, because... Okay, but the, the EMTs can't treat it as effectively if they don't know what the hell happened. Well, that might be a risk that they could have been willing to take. Because for those who uh, need a refresher or haven't seen the movie, Rumi mentions after the letter explodes that the that they didn't that he didn't want them to report that incident to the police, and so Jess was like, "Well, you know, he there was blood. He had an ambulance called. There so was like blood there everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there he was. was bleeding profusely and on the ground." Yeah. PD would have been notified. If nothing else, to report the incident and to see if they could get anything off the remnants of the letter. That's well, a crime. Well, and then plus, like, they seem to just be like, oh, it was a prank. I'm like, that's not, not a, a freaking There was blood. Prank. There was blood everywhere. That is not a prank. They're probably trying to not concern her too much but if anything if they had contacted the police they could have had someone like following her to yes. help protect her even if it was for a day or two yeah but there was blood he had his hands bandaged for like the rest of the movie that he was in 
his hands were bandaged. Though I do have which a was question, fairly accurate, but still. <laughs> so, do you think the letter was sent by Rumi or was sent by the stalker guy? That's a valid question. And because it could it's have like been either at what point I feel like it was probably Rumi. They made it a point to keep it away from her. Like she was on set. So like she, she was could have intervened like pretending yeah. to be like innocent but Yeah. Cuz it also- made an impact because she saw it happen. And that I feel like would have had more of an impact than if it happened to her. And then another thing that um, I wondered this even prior to the last the time that we watched it together, but at what point did Rumi and Stalker Guy like actually connect? Because it sounds like, you know, way in the beginning of the movie, there was was that internet page. Yeah, there was way before then. Yeah, so I wonder, but it seemed was it after the yeah, it was after the rape scene though that people started actually dying. So it's like. Mm Rumi was starting to go down the rabbit hole. She was getting, she was getting kind of crazy. She was hurting the manager guy with the letter. But then the rape scene, you see the her like Rumi getting really upset. And I guess that was maybe either Mima accepting to do that scene or during the scene, that was the final straw. And then that's when she decided to also start killing. Yeah, maybe. so... I, my theory is it was before she even started acting. Oh. Mm-hmm. The dude was working at her last performance and was on set everywhere she went. Since Rumi is her manager, she could have had a say as to whether or not he got the part-time gig on oh. each one. Oh. So I think she was in contact with him well before. That's creepy thinking Mm -hmm. about. Well, if she's that obsessed, as soon as she hears that Mima is thinking of going away from her image that she has set in her mind and wants to be an actress instead. That's kind of what breaks her. And Mm -hmm. she starts, she already knows as the manager who her biggest fans are and who the creepy ones are. (laughs) to keep away from her generally yeah (laughs) but instead she picked the creepiest stalker murder face that she could find and got in contact with him and because his obsession aligned with hers she manipulated him but also put him in a position used him as a pawn basically and put him strategically at each one So he got something out of it. He was able to stay close to her and watch her and listen to her and maybe even get random uh, memorabilia and things like a lot of stalkers do. (laughs) And that would make sense why he was like holding her in his hand. Because at that point in time, it's like Rumi might have been Mm -hmm. feeding him. It's like, oh, you know, I adore you. I'm glad that you're my biggest fan. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he thought that that really was Mima. He did. Yeah. He thought it was really her. She only contacted him through emails. Yeah. Man, that that brings a whole new perspective. It's like, it, it was bound to happen, but it's just the, I think the... Because with the letter exploding, Mm -hmm. that already shows right there that Rumi and the stalker are capable of harming people. Yes, And so I think just the... And the facts 
Rumi would have the fax number. And it said traitor. And it said yeah. traitor. Because she's going against the image that she had for her. Yeah. But she would definitely have that number. It's not likely that Stalker Murderface would have, unless yeah. Rumi gave it to him. Which yeah. is kind of a possibility, but I seriously doubt it at that point in the movie. Yeah. If it was later in the movie, I could definitely get that. But what? it most likely would have said imposter instead of traitor. Yeah. Well, and then one thing that's interesting, too, if you think about is, you know, with anime, you have to leave a lot to just the assumption that, oh, it's an anime for like having plot holes looking at you, Code Geass. But for this movie, because it's so focused on realism and maybe because it's based off of a book, there's not really any plot holes. It's like you kind of wonder where there's all of the many. background pieces fit together, but it's not like, oh, it couldn't happen, you know, this way. It's like it kind of leaves, gives you just enough subtle detail that you have to wonder. There's one instance oh. that I do say it would not have happened that way. Okay. What? And we talked about this last night. Oh, man. I slept so when <laughs> when Stalker Murderface tries to rape Mima. Oh, yeah. When she yeah. grabs the hammer <laughs> and hits him in the temple with the hammer. He stand like he freezes for a moment and then he stands up and staggers over a ways and then falls down. Super extra. First off. Second off, not realistic at all. Unless she hits like a freaking five-year-old. Just barely taps him and he's just super dramatic. <laughs> like he had a really bad concussion or something. Yeah. Oh. Because if you hit someone with a hammer in the temple, unless you have zero arm strength and just tap them, <laughs> then at worst, they're going to die instantly. <laughs> and they're going to fall on top of you because they're dead. And that's how gravity works. Or they're going to get a pretty bad concussion and fall unconscious, most likely. Or go blind, or both. <laughs> All of the above. But again, would still fall on top of you. Her ankles, awkwardly enough, were belted together, and he yeah. was between her legs. <laughs> yeah. So, as convenient and considerate as it was <laughs> that he ended up standing <laughs> up and staggering a few feet over <laughs> before finally passing out... <laughs> Not accurate at all. Convenience, considerate, but not accurate at all. Yeah. He was the least rude one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the stalker being considerate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't have a whole lot yeah. else to add. What about you? Uh that was that was mostly it. I I understand the the style choice of why at the end when she knew it was Rumi, why they kept showing it as her her pop image self. That's kind of how she was seeing the the whole scenario playing out in her head anyway was yeah. she was battling against her past self and trying to break away from that image and do something different yeah. and be a different self, 
basically. Yeah. And it just kept trying to get her back. And it wasn't happening. So it was it was an interesting choice. I do feel, though, that it would have been creepier if it was more accurate and more realistic and actually showing Rumi chasing after her with the umbrella. I see where you're coming from. I, I'm kind of going to meet you in the middle. Because I, I do like the fact that they showed um, Mima... Because it was very much like, because Mima starts seeing images of herself as she's going down this crisis, mm-hmm. but then she ends up seeing Rumi as her her former self. Um, and then it just gives you this one little glimpse of Rumi chasing after her, which makes it look pretty creepy. And it creepy. was creepy. It was super creepy. I think they could have showed Rumi maybe once or twice during that chase and it would have been fine like little cuts just to go back and forth but i think it wouldn't have been as meaningful if it was if all you saw was Rumi chasing after her i just didn't really appreciate the floatiness it does kind of take you out of the animated that chase scene i don't know because it's like on the one hand i'm like well that is creepy because mima is like running for her life but this per but her old self is like so easily catching up. But then at the same time, it's like, well, it's almost like a fantasy, like la da 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 da. I mean, like, I get like it was almost kind of the ghost of her past, and that's yeah. why she was kind of gliding along and all. But I mean, it's unsettling enough to know what's actually happening. Yeah, they could have just stuck with that. <laughs> but I do get where they were trying to go with it and where they're coming from, and it. I mean, it was a choice. It was a choice. Yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe they could have done Rumi a little bit more often to up the creep factor. Yeah. But I do agree with them showing the yeah. the way that they showed it, too, though. And the last thing that I'll say is that they were on a busy street with oh. a lot of cars going by. A lot of cars going by. And they're running in front of certain shops and things, too. Like, not one single person saw what was happening. Like, there was clearly blood on their clothing. Not one person saw and yelled or started trying to call the police or anything. And the truck that almost hit her didn't really start slowing down until right when they were there. Yeah. Very true. It'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Call and bull on that. But (laughs) for the most part, again, the rest of the the movie was very realistic and very interesting. So they did a good job with it. And again, I was going back and forth between a six or seven. That is hard to do. It's hard for a movie to get me to do that. So good job. (laughs) Very good job. Yep. Love this movie. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it. It's Perfect Blue, released in 1997. I know the copyright in the U.S. was like 1999. I don't know if that will make a difference whenever you go search for it. As it is an anime, they do have a version where you can watch it with English dub. I haven't seen the English dub. We watched it in Japanese with subtitles. I like to try to watch them first that way, if at all possible. But Alyssa has seen it in the English dub. Yeah, and like, how does it compare? 
whenever I initially watched it in the English dub, I didn't think it was that bad. But now actually watching it in the Japanese, I would suggest watching it in the Japanese. Because especially like the Rumi parts, the voice actress that does Rumi comes off more stupid. While in the Japanese version, it comes off as like creepy. Mm hmm. And animes are interesting like that. There's there's only a handful of ones that I'll prefer the English dub over the Japanese with subtitles. But again, some things are lost in translation, and other times it's just the voice acting. So it really just depends. This one, definitely watch the Japanese. <laughs> yep. But as always, please yes. like and subscribe. And share our content, please. We love seeing your comments and everything as well. So if you have any suggestions or uh, recommendations for us to watch the next movies and review them, please let us know. Send us a message or leave a comment down below. And as always, guys, stay safe and stay spooky. Bye. Bye.